the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Hello there, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Hey, who, who sent in for me yesterday? Who should I thank? Bob France. I love the guy. I love all the people who sent in for me. That's really... The reason I wasn't here was perfectly, thank God, fine. I, ne- I virtually never miss a show because of any type of illness. Uh, but yesterday was the holiest day in the Jewish calendar, and for the 17th year in a row except for one COVID year, I conducted services, fasted, that's no water, 24 hours, and and no water and no food, obviously. I'm very lucky, I fast easily, and to have one day, at least a year, the whole day, where you just talk about the holy, one of my two big speeches, I speak the whole service, was about the holy. Maybe I should do, say, Ultimate Issues Hour, Damien. I think I'll do an hour on the holy. Well, it's uh, really fresh in my mind. Secular society can have good people in it, obviously. But the death of the holy uh, ensures some bad stuff in society, as we have seen. Here is a piece. I don't even think my producer saw this. Uh, I'm telling you, this is something you would expect satire to have written, you know, a satirical site like Babylon B. Scientists reveal, this is from the, uh, from the, from Daily Mail, the Daily Mail. Scientists reveal the date Earth will face a mass extinction that wipes out all humans. You did see it? Yeah. <laughs> you just thought it was not worth sending? Oh, I think it's, well, what are we going to do? We have a different take on the importance of this. Are you ready, ladies and gentlemen, for the date? The They know the date, and that's even if we stop burning fossil fuels right now. Which, by the way, proves maybe it's irrelevant. What date do you think it is? Sean, when do you think the Earth will face mass extinction because presumably temperatures will be between 104 and 158 degrees Fahrenheit in how long and that will wipe out humanity 2092 all right here it goes in 250 million years 
Yeah. You well, you both had different reactions. Alan was, I'm worried about it. Deeply worried, and Sean's was let's party. <laughs> Computer simulations suggest our planet will face a mass extinction that wipes out all mammals. University of Bristol experts report. Any life form still alive on Earth Day by this time would have to cope with temperatures of between 104 degrees and 158 degrees. My sense is a, it's it's a parody. It, it's a joke. It, it's it's a stupid joke. Two hundred fifty million years from now, and I am going to worry about it today. I am going to wreck the economies of the Western world. I'm going to put Africans uh, into poverty because in two hundred fifty million years, the temperature, according to models, will be between one hundred and four and one hundred and fifty. Excuse me, 158. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa, ho, ho. I didn't catch this part. Their calculations don't account for greenhouse gases emitted by the burning of fossil fuels and other human-caused sources, so the date of our demise will likely be even sooner than 250 million years. Yeah, 2092. There you go. You predicted it. The new study was led by Dr. Alexander Farnsworth, who was extremely lucky to be employed. I added that. That is not in the article. Senior Research Associate of the University of Bristol School of Geographical Sciences. The outlook in the distant future appears very bleak. He doesn't think that we will have been able to figure out how to cool the environment within 250 million years? Carbon dioxide levels could be double current levels. Humans, along with many other species, would expire due to their inability to shed this heat through sweat, cooling their bodies. Wow. It, it is embarrassing. Okay. I just I thought I'd share that with you folks. So the question is, how many young people are not going to have children because of what might happen, according to models, in 250 million years? That is the question. Oh, wow. All right. Hey, folks, for uh, quite some time I've been telling you that Ibram X. Kendi is an intellectual fraud. And I was right. He is the, what would you say, is he the dean, is he the most respected critical race theory, America is systemically racist, uh, race matters thinker. Yeah, Yeah, he's up there. He's the guy. He's the guy. That's right. Well, it turns out, doesn't it, that uh, his uh, the the center that he he directs uh, at uh, Boston University uh, is uh, has done nothing. He, he the the money has been squandered. Ibram X. Kendi has done as he promised in 2020, freshly 
anointed as the director of Boston University's new Center for Anti-Racist Research. Kendi announced his intention. Oh, may I offer a thought, having read that sentence, a tangential, tangential thought. Yesterday, in speaking to the 300 or so people that were attending the service I conducted, I, I mentioned the evils that humans engage in, and I listed racism. And I realized what the left had done to the word, I hate racism, but they have so removed the viciousness of racism by calling everyone with whom they differ a racist, that the term no longer has any sting. I I read audiences like I read books. How could I not? I've been doing it all of my adult life, speaking in front of audiences. And first of all, I think they're probably surprised because that I even lumped it in there with fascism, Nazism, communism, because it's so associated with the left. Racist, racism, white supremacy... They're, these are terrible things, but the left has denuded them of their moral intensity. Well, that was a good sentence. The left has denuded them of their moral intensity. You know I am speaking with such flourish because I'm, I'm finishing Frederick Douglass. A remarkable man. Kennedy announced his intention to transform how racial research is done. Previously, research had been understood to involve collecting data, analyzing trends, and gathering new insights through the careful application of sustained thought. But these expectations were hallmarks of white supremacy. This week, as allegations of wanton mismanagement emerged from Kennedy's staff, it appears that what it means to do racial research has indeed been transformed. It now entails taking vast sums of other people's money, then using it to produce almost nothing. And by the way, it was the Boston Globe that revealed this, to its credit. The Boston Globe is a left-wing paper. I I love giving left-wing media a shout-out. Can you imagine uh, uh, any of these papers, however, saying, you know, PragerU has done some terrific things. It would be impossible. They could not acknowledge it. His center amassed $43 million in funding, including a $10 million donation from then-CEO of then-Twitter, Jack Dorsey. Natural disasters? Airline cancellations and runway near misses, supply chain issues, inflation, rising interest rates, and sky-high government debt. This is Dennis Prager for Amfed Coin and Bullion. 
There's a lot in the news about what consumers cannot control. So let's talk about what you can control. You can control how you choose to invest and protect your wealth. That's why I choose to do business with Nick Grovich and his company, Amfed Coin and Bullion. Now is a great time to own tangible assets like gold, silver, and platinum. With over 41 years experience and tens of thousands of satisfied clients, Nick will help you make informed decisions and show you smart choices, which have been proven winners time and time again. Amfed Coin and Bullion will sell you the right types of precious metals to get the maximum value for your money. Take control of your investments like I did. Call Nick and his team at Amfed Coin and Bullion at 800-221-7694. AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Dinesh D'Souza, the author, the podcaster, the filmmaker, on on video and audio with me right now. He has a new movie coming out in late October, and it's uh, Police State. The website is policestatefilm.net. I saw the trailer. I saw the trailer, and it uh, it is classic Dinesh D'Souza excellence. So, Dinesh, welcome to the show, and tell us the the reason you made the film. Well, Dennis, there's so much that is troubling that's going on in our society around us, and I tried to think to myself, what really has changed? What really has changed is that I came to an America, this is a generation ago, as a teenager, And uh, it was an America in which we had basic liberties that could be taken for granted. Now, a lot of them, although not all of them, are spelled out in the Bill of Rights. The right to free speech, the right to conscience, religious freedom, the right to assemble, to petition the government for grievances, the right to equal treatment under the law, equal justice under the law. And these rights are not supposed to be open to political negotiation. Majorities are not allowed to override these rights. And that was the America I came to. Fast forward to now, and I suddenly realized every single one of those rights is in serious, and I mean serious, jeopardy. And so a lot of the rhetoric that formed my early career, we are the free world, uh, I'm here for the American dream, I suddenly am looking at a different America, and, and a startling question pops into my mind, are we becoming a police state? Are we becoming the same as the unfree societies that we have long deplored. And that's the central question driving this film. Is the United States moving steadily, perhaps inexorably, toward a police state? I wrote a piece uh, during the the lockdowns. Uh, It was titled, Dress Rehearsal for a Police State. Do you think that that was overstated? No, although I think that the lockdowns, January 6th, these are the, let's call them the Reichstag fire pretexts for creating police state rules that you then kind of refuse to uh, undo. It's almost like you're establishing wartime measures that uh, even after the war is over, you keep in place. And, um, And this is what's going on. And what's really scary about it is it's not just happening 
from the state. It's also happening in the private sector. And what I mean by this is that traditionally police states are run in a centralized fashion with a dictator at the helm, a propaganda ministry that tells the media what to do, censorship that's established by a Goebbels or by a Stalinist minister. But here we have a different situation. A lot of the police state is in the private sphere, the media, uh, the educational institutions, which have become engines of indoctrination, digital platforms that are actively colluding with the government to enforce censorship. So we're dealing with a more widespread and in some respects scarier phenomenon. That, that's a very important point, the collusion of the private sector along with the public sector. Do you see any signs? I, I'm asked this all the time, and I, I never fully know what to say. Maybe it's not, not knowable. Are there signs of a pushback? And I'll, or I'll, I'll even be more specific. What percentage of America fears a movement to a police state, in your opinion? Now, fortunately, I can answer that question, and it's because just about a week ago, I went to the guys at the Rasmussen survey, and I told them, I'm making this film, Police State. They had done a poll uh, last year on 2,000 mules. And so I told them, when you do your national surveys, do you mind asking a couple of questions of people? Ask them if they fear that America's becoming a police state, and ask them if they think that the FBI is the guardian of or a threat to our basic liberties. And so they did. And those results are out. And amazingly, 72% of people say that they are, quote, very concerned or somewhat concerned that we are moving toward a police state. And only about 25% say, no, that's, that's not something that they're worried about. And, and I kind of laugh when I see that number because I say to myself, those are the people that are helping to build the police state. That's exactly right. All right, people should go to policestatefilm.net, another critical film from Dinesh D'Souza. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors faced the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart. But they took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. The story uncovers those who have sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they believe in. Rediscover why the church is essential and how we can prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. You should see the movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church. SalemNow.com. Streaming at SalemNow.com. Dinesh D'Souza has a film coming out at the end of October, Police State. And the uh, the website is policestatefilm.net. He, he is obviously as shocked as I am that such a film would, would even need to be made. You're, you're reciting the Rasmussen poll. So I want to understand, 
This brand new poll says 70% plus of Americans are worried that what? That America is moving toward a police state. And, and they define what a police state is. They talk about mass surveillance, censorship, uh, political targeting, the existence of political prisoners. I mean, the things that we would identify as a police state if we were describing another society. And so Rasmussen puts those forward and says, are those things happening here? Are we heading in that direction? And really, three out of four Americans say, yep, we are. So I'm, l- let me understand then. That means that a serious percentage of Democrats think that we're moving toward a police state in order to get to that number, correct? Correct. It's got to be probably... Okay, so... Put, s- sorry, go on. No, I was saying that, that just by the math, the number of Democrats has got to be around 20 to 25%. This is assuming that virtually all Republicans... Yeah, ex- exactly. So so it's probably, you know, 30%. So how do you understand that about a third, if the poll is accurate, about one-third of the people who vote for the party instituting the police state will continue to vote for it. Where do they think the police state is coming from, Republicans? This is a key point, Dennis, and this is a little bit of a surprise because we hear this, but we don't take it seriously, and that is that the left is telling its own constituency that we are building the police state. This is really why whenever they use the word Trump, they always use the word authoritarian or fascist. The idea here is that Uh, Trump poses a singular menace, but more than that, they define freedom in a somewhat different way. To them, freedom is uh, the freedom of controlling your own body, namely abortion rights, the freedom of someone to transition from one gender to another. And so their argument is that Republicans throughout the country, uh, DeSantis in Florida, for example, are threatening these types of freedom. So they're making the argument that the police state is coming from the right. And so it may be that there are some Democrats who go, oh, yeah, there's there is a police state. And of course, that's why we have to make sure that Trump is not on the ballot next year. So does that poll in light of that uh, give one uh, reason to think that there is a legitimate that the legitimate fear which I have and you have, of a police state is, is more than half of this country? If, 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 if 30% of, of Democrats think the police state is coming from the right and every single conservative and Republican thinks it's coming from the left, what is the gain? Well, I think this is how I look at it. You know, I started in this film to ask the question, are we becoming a police state? And then it occurred to me that this is a question on which a lot of liberals and conservatives agree, except they point the fingers at each other. And so the way I framed the film is, all right, so who's right? Well, we can only answer who's right by answering a couple of other questions. Number one, what is a police state? Number two, how does it operate? Number three, who's organizing it? And number four, who's in charge? If you answer those questions, then you know whether the police state is being run by the right or by the left. And so that's really what the movie does. It takes you into the bowels of the police state. It has a lot of informants, whistleblowers, people with inside knowledge. And then I also feature a lot of ordinary people in the movie who have 
found themselves at the receiving end of the police state. And I think that's important, Dennis, because there are going to be people who say, well, listen, you know, I'm not Trump and I didn't go inside the Capitol in January 6th and I pay my taxes. So I'm never going to have the FBI come smashing down my door. And that person could not be more wrong. And this movie is intended to show them that. How do you think the average FBI agent will react to your film? I think the problem, and this is a problem of, of bureaucracy, and it's a problem that we see in all police states. Police states rely on recruiting good people to do very bad things. And they do it by framing the very bad things in very bureaucratic, mundane ways, and then setting up very complex bureaucratic measurements of advancement uh, and career success that are tied to achieving these goals. And the goals are always framed benignly, uh, fighting disinformation, upholding the law. That's why we're going after Trump, Dinesh, because no one is above the law or, uh, or, uh, or upholding democracy. We got to do this stuff. It may be distasteful, but we got to save democracy by going after these white supremacists. And so what you have is a, an ideological camouflage the police state is marching behind the benign banners of law and freedom and democracy. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm hesitating because it's the most painful part of all of this. Like you, I believe we have political prisoners for the first time in American history, certainly modern American history. What does your film do to address that? The film has a... Out of 90 minutes, there's about 25 minutes that focuses on January 6th, but in a, in a kind of a fresh way, because we have to understand January 6th a little differently than simply uh, the rhetoric that comes out of, out of both sides. Because in, in, on the one hand, you've got the rhetoric of insurrection. On the other hand, you've got, you've got a bunch of guys who are just upset about the election. And the problem with these two points of view is that neither can make sense of the other. So there needs to be a sort of enlarged viewpoint, if you will, that makes sense of the way both sides think about this. Um, and in any event, we, we really focus in on January 6th because I agree with you. Apart from wartime, we have not had these kinds of, we have not had political prisoners in this way in this country's history. And look, when people talk about the police state... All right, hold, you know, hold that, hold that point, Dinesh. Hold, off of yeah. hold on one it's, sec. Hold, hold that point. I want to get everybody to your website. PoliceStateFilm.net. We return. Dinesh D'Souza is coming out with a new film in theaters at the end of October. Police State. That's the title. You could cry. You could weep. That it is an accurate depiction of what is happening because of the left. And the left owning the media as they do and the educational apparatus have been able to say the threat to your liberty comes from the right, which I said the day, the next day it happened when they called January 6th an insurrection. I said they would use it like the Rostock fire was used by the Nazis to suppress liberty. I was not comparing them to Nazis. I was comparing the use of an event to suppress rights. I have been proven right, tragically. There are now political prisoners. I have uh, talked to one in prison. I have mentioned another. 
who is now in solitary confinement because he gave a uh, an interview to Newsmax while in prison. There is video of him in prison. John Strand is the man. There's video of him in prison, in, in, oh, in prison, excuse me, in the Capitol, and he did nothing wrong. Nothing. But he would not take a plea agreement because he's a religious Christian and won't lie. And he knew that if he pled guilty, that would be lying. So the the D'Souza film could not come out at a, at a more appropriate time, unfortunately. So you were talking to me about January 6th, the use of the insurrection term, etc. I wanted to make the point, and we make a number of points, but I'll focus on one of them here. And that is the bitter irony that right after 9-11, the Bush administration asked for, really asked the American people, give us all these new police powers. It's not enough for us to go after the bad guys who did this. In fact, hey, they're all dead. Let's go after the next guy who's going to do this. And so to do that, we need massive surveillance. We need to be able to get into people's bank accounts and their phones. We need to be able to uh, infiltrate their organizations and perhaps even help them along so that right before they can carry out the plot, our inside people will bust it. So the FBI and all the other police agencies of government, let's remember Department of Homeland Security, they're 10 times bigger than the FBI. They're actively involved in all this. So the FBI and the police agencies kind of perfected this routine of how do we go after suspected Islamic terrorists? And you and I... So that set it up. All right. Listen, we got to do do more of this. Uh, I I want everybody in America to see your film. Go to policestatefilm.net. Thank you, Dinesh D'Souza. We'll do a part two, obviously. I look forward to it. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. Mike also created the Giza Dream Bed Sheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year for a limited time. You'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Podcasts Square, and use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. The Jewish Telegraph Agency reports a California county calls off, quote, American Christian Heritage Month, unquote, after fierce backlash. Two months after proclaiming that July would henceforth be known locally, As American Christian Heritage Month, the Board of Supervisors in El Dorado County, California, has reversed course. Where's El Dorado County? 
I assume central uh, California, conservative, conservative area of California. The county's elected governing body unanimously, unanimously, huh? Rescinded the proclamation Tuesday, it's last Tuesday, following backlash from local Jews, the American Civil Liberties Union, and others who said it inappropriately advanced the idea that the United States is a Christian nation. Well, as a Jew, let me say how embarrassed I am that there would be local Jews who came out against this, aside from uh, being, in my opinion, uh, foolish, uh, because it does not state that America is a Christian nation any more than LGBT month affirms that America is a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender nation. To honor something doesn't mean everybody in it is that. And there are more Christians, I strongly suspect, in El Dorado County, California, than there are LGBTQ people. So why can't that be honored? Has Christianity not played a fundamentally positive role in creating America? Was it not Christians in Britain who abolished the slave trade, the first people on earth to do so? Is that not worth noting? Left-wing Jews are of no, of no help to the Jewish people aside from all the other awful things that they stand for. But it's true about left-wing everybody, left-wing Christians, left-wing whites, left-wing liberals, left-wing blacks, left-wing Hispanics. Left-wing is damaging. But uh, uh, it's, it's, it was a painful thing to read. <laughs> Marla Saunders, a massage therapist in South Lake Tahoe, said she was verklempt after the decision using the Yiddish term meaning overcome by emotion. Saunders, who was Jewish, had stated an on, had started an online petition calling on the board to rescind the proclamation. The petition had 1,000 signatures as of September 19th. I am teary with joy, she said. It's a rural area with 200,000 residents south of Lake Tahoe. They voted on July 18th to mark every July as American Christian Heritage Month. <laughs> the vote passed 4-1, to one, though one supervisor maintained she actually abstained but was recorded as an I. The language of the proclamation is taken from the platform of the Constitution Party, a conservative political party formed in the 1990s. That advocates for hands-off governance and Christian values. Coming at a time of rising Christian nationalist sentiment. Hmm. What does that mean? Whenever I read Christian nationalist anything, I always they never explain it. Do you know what it means? I assume it means that there are people who believe that America should be a Christian nation. What does that mean? Does it mean that all non-Christians would be exterminated? What, what does it mean? 
in these in these people's anguished reaction to the term, I, I want to know what what they fear. Now, I would prefer the re, the reality is a Judeo Christian nation because that's what it was founded as Christians rooted in the Old Testament. Even Jefferson and Franklin, who were not uh, theologically Christian. Uh, they wanted the great seal of the United States to depict the uh, the Jews, the Israelites, leaving Egypt. American founders regarded America as a second Israel. The first Israel were the Jewish people. I wonder if these people, if, if they had said, I am curious, uh, there's no way to know. Although, I'll tell you, like there's a rabbi quoted here of Temple Bat Yam in South Lake Tahoe. I applaud them for rescinding it. Uh, let's invite him on the show. All right? I'd like, to, I'd like to know what he feared. I'd like to have somebody who was for this petition. I'd like to know what they, they wanted. The, the overwhelming majority of Americans throughout our, our history have been Christian. I don't know why it is exactly controversial to have a month honoring Christian heritage. You, you don't want to bother with it, don't bother with it. Does Black History Month mean that people want to make America black? Does LGBT Month, Pride Month mean American, uh, they want to make all Americans LGBTQ? I mean, they wouldn't mind, but that's not what, that's not what the purpose of the month is. So what, why is Christian Heritage Month, let's make all Americans Christian? So, anyway, this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on a foundation of Christian principles and values. This was the John Hedal, the supervisor, who said before the vote. The proclamation is clear, clearly stating, don't forget our history. So he even said, not on religions, but on a foundation of Christian principles and values. So it's it's the values of Christianity that they were they were celebrating when they passed this. The proclamation's critics said it violated the principle of the separation of church and state and promoted one religion over others. So why does an LGBT Pride Month promote LGBT as uh, as a as sexual expression over others, this would be the only type of celebratory month that would be celebrating the superiority of something over others. In in theory, the ACLU of Northern California said the proclamation quote conveys that the county supports, promotes, and endorses specific religious beliefs and as such violates the California Constitution. Wow. So, 
This is, this is what's going on in America today. Christopher Rufo, who really, his book was fantastic. He really, what is the name of his book? I, I read it and I don't even remember the name because I read a lot of books. It's, it's a powerful book. Let's see if they have it here on the website of his article. Uh, yeah, America's Cultural Revolution. Yes, it was a very important book. There is a creeping sense that our society has turned upside down. Healthy debate is replaced by activist hysterics. Speech is declared violence. But this is all true, by the way. College students say that. Speech is violence. If they don't agree with your speech, it's violence. Talking about speech... Charlie Kirk and I are speaking tomorrow night at Arizona State University. If you have a fourth cousin whose kid is attending, tell them to come to the speeches. They need to hear another voice to the dominant dishonesty that they are subjected to. I can't wait to speak there and respond to some of the truly vile professors, the intellectual lightweights at Barrett College, Honors College, no less, of ASU. I'm reading Christopher Rufo's piece in City Journal, There is a creeping sense that our society has turned upside down. Healthy debate is replaced by activist hysterics. Speech is declared violence. Violence is excused as speech. Masculinity is condemned as toxic, while men in dresses are celebrated in the public square. That's a great uh, sentence. Just a great sentence. The upside-down world of the sick, pathologic left Masculinity is condemned as toxic, while men in dresses are celebrated in the public square. It feels as if we are in the midst of a society-wide mental breakdown, and he believes we are. He said there, there are three clusters of personality disorders, A, B, and C. And he explains them. Narcissistic personality disorder is characterized by a sense of entitlement, obsession with one's own own importance, and deep feelings of resentment, often expressed through moral self-righteousness. Borderline personality disorder is marked by an unstable sense of identity, black and white thinking, feelings of emptiness, and recurring self-harm and suicide attempts. Histrionic personality disorder, it's the third cluster, exhibits excessive emotionality, sexual provocation, and attention-seeking, often to serve a pathological need for sympathy. Antisocial personality disorder is typified by impulsivity, manipulation, disregard for others, and a penchant for violence and aggression that violates social norms. This cluster of psychopathologies is no longer an individual matter, however, 
to be dealt with in the privacy of the analyst's office. On the contrary, cluster B, that was the cluster I just read to you about, cluster B psychological traits have begun to shape the patterns and structures of our culture. The scenes of American public life increasingly resemble a cluster B psychodrama. Victimhood replaces accomplishment as the standard of merit. These are really, he's, uh, he's exceptional. I would put him up there with among the leading thinkers that we now have the, and, and knowledgeable. So listen, listen to this. This is very important. Victimhood replaces accomplishment as the standard of merit. That's right. The question that is asked by the left is not what have you accomplished, but how much of a victim are you? Yesterday I led Yom Kippur services, the holiest day of the year. You could watch them and you you would love it, whether you're an atheist or a Christian or... An, a secular Jew, a, a, any anyone, you you would love the service, and you could. By the way, it's at PragerHighHolidays.net. You you can now get it. it. It was incredibly professionally filmed by the great Robert Antal, and I noted to the three hundred or so people who were there. This is the, the, what you are engaging in on this day is the opposite of what society is having people engage in. The whole point of Yom Kippur or Yom Kippur is to see where I, I, the individual, am wrong. What did I do wrong in the past year? And it's a a very long list of specific things. I mean, it's not just generalized, I sinned. That doesn't do much. There's a whole list, 42 of them, which uh, forces you to think, and that's the whole purpose of it. How was I this past year, and in what way can I be a better person next year? In America today, and this has been true for a while, but it is worse today than ever, I am not the problem. America is the problem. That's, that's the difference. So often I've told you I was raised with the notion that the biggest problem in Dennis Prager's life is Dennis Prager. Not America. No. Nope. Society was far from perfect. How could it not be far from perfect since it's composed of humans who are far from perfect? But it was as good as it gets. So we who are religious focus on our own imperfection or should. So that's a great line. Victimhood replaces accomplishment as the standard of merit. 
Accusation replaces disagreement as the means of settling disputes. This paragraph should be enshrined on billboards. That's right. As I say, the left never argues. They smear. False compassion becomes the primary method of manipulating citizens into compliance. Yeah. False compassion. Let's let's have pity on the eight-year-old who says she's a boy and, and thereby ruin her and her future with hormone blockers or puberty blocker hormones, I should say. Which reminds me, I need to remember every day, you must not buy a brawn shaver. An ad celebrating a double mastectomy is sick. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Christopher Rufo is describing what I have been saying, and I love when people put in excellent words their own way of describing. I said the left is sick. It is it is truly pathologic that that is right. So he's talking about the various disorders that characterize the left, not liberals, the left. And he writes, while these strategies are contemptible, they are also extraordinarily effective in controlling what we think, what we say, and how we act. They have slowly transformed our institutions into what psychologist Andrei Lobachevsky calls a pathocracy or rule by psychological dysfunction. Allow me to applaud. Rule by psychological dysfunction. That's right. This has become our new social order. Once a thoughtful observer internalizes this phenomenon, he will start to see it everywhere. The cluster B traits have been formalized and entrenched in our human resource departments, government policies, cultural institutions, and civil rights laws. Examples abound. A recent CIA recruitment video valorized the cluster B traits of narcissistic identity obsession, self-righteousness, and craving for affirmation. I saw it 
but I never played it on the air. Would you give it to Sean? I think people should hear it. A CIA ad, which, as he puts it, valorizes pathology. It glorifies it. You will make a great CIA agent if you're if you are pathologic, if you're if you are psychopathological. Quote, I am a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who has been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Unquote. Intones the featured CIA analyst as the camera pans over her diversity awards. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome, but at 36, I refused to internalize misguided patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. How do you like that? that that's who you want in your CIA, doesn't, don't you? Well, it's good for the CIA. The more pathologic their members, the more they control them, can control them. The CIA is corrupt. The FBI is corrupt. I've never said anything like this. I never thought this. This is how bad it's become. Because the left destroys everything it touches. If you don't know that, you do not understand history since 1917. Indeed, one can argue you don't understand history since 1789 and the French Revolution. The left destroys everything it touches. The CIA, the FBI are two of the examples. Your kid's school is another, in all probability. Sean, uh, did uh, uh, Alan send you this video from the CIA? I'll play it for you next segment. This is a recruitment. Not we want the best. They don't want the healthiest. They want people who acknowledge that they are psychologically deeply impaired. And this woman's solution to her psychological impairment is that she no longer has internalized, misguided, patriarchal ideas of what a woman can or should be. Do you know PragerU has been attacked now by every major medium in the country? Many times, twice. Because Oklahoma and Texas, excuse me, Oklahoma and Florida have announced that they will allow teachers to use our videos in classrooms. And do you know one of the examples they give of how awful PragerU is? That we have a video on femininity, which includes the line, something to the effect, it is a beautiful thing when a woman smiles. Disgusting, isn't that? That we would say that. The great clouds, a white walls, a blue skies, we gonna fly, feel alright. Somebody help me feel alright. Hello, everybody. It's the Ultimate Issues Hour on the Dennis Prager Show. The great issues of life. Perfect timing, actually, because yesterday, all day long, and from the previous evening, I was leading religious services. You can see it, by the way. They were professionally, magnificently videoed. 
with the music as well as all of my explaining life and prayer, closeness to God, etc., all in my rational way. It's at PragerHighHolidays.net. It's an investment. It is, it is not time-bound. You can watch it five years from now. I purposely make it timeless. And I spoke yesterday, among about many things, but my actual sermon was on the holy, on holiness, which, if you are secular, you are probably very tempted uh, to, right now, observe spiders weaving webs, because the term holy connotes for most people in our anti-religious age Voodoo, silliness, irrelevance. Yeah, I guess irrelevance more than anything. Mm, That's not exactly right, however. So I'll tell you what holy means so that you will get to begin an understanding of it. It means God-centered. That's what holy means. In a secular society, nothing is God-centered, so nothing is holy. Name something that is holy in, in our secular society. You can't. Remember the term Holy Bible or the Holy Scriptures? What, what did it mean? God-centered. That's, that's what holy means. It's very helpful to understand what it means, certainly from a biblical perspective, since that's where the term is used. It starts basically in Leviticus chapter 19, and the Lord spoke to, let's see, Moses saying, I guess, I'll I'll check that sentence, I know the next one, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. God is the essence of holiness, because God is God-centered, should go without saying. So the question is, what is the use of the holy? And that's what I should like to address in this Ultimate Issues Hour. Why is it important? So I'll give you a biblical example. The Ten Commandments were carried in ancient Israel in in the Holy Ark. and kept in the Holy of Holies, or kept in the Holy Temple. And what you have here is is symbolic. The Holy protects the ethical. The Ten Commandments are overwhelmingly about ethical issues, how we treat our fellow human beings. And the Holy Ark is about holiness. The Ark protects the Ten Commandments. When you get rid of the holy in society, you will start your way down the ethical path to oblivion. And I have seen that in the United States. Because in secular society, there's no such thing as the holy, so it becomes, as I said, Irrelevant. The whole concept. 
I pointed this out, and I was mocked by the usual mockers, who should know that their mockery reinforces my understanding of the validity of what I said. They, the left plays a, a, an important role in my life. In fact, I wrote years ago, maybe decades ago, how the left keeps me religious. The most anti-religious group are the most vile, the most pathetic in terms of intellectual understanding of life. And so I realize, wow, if the people who have the most contempt for Judeo-Christian values are the stupidest and the meanest, then there must be something great about the Judeo-Christian value system. I do. That is, it has that effect. So I was mocked when I pointed out that there was a vote in San Francisco. The city council voted, and I think the vote went 9-7. I'm, I may be mistaken by one vote, but it basically 9-7. to seven, I believe it was two votes that kept laws against public nudity in place. And the only reason the people voted on the city council in San Francisco to keep the laws in place, the only reason they gave was health, that hygiene, that somebody naked sitting on a bus bench, for example, it could spread some sort of germs and disease. That was it. But of course, there would be a very simple solution to that. If you are walking around naked and sit on a public bench, you have to have a towel to sit on. So if you're sitting on a park bench naked, then you could be sighted like jaywalking. We had in America, when I grew up, the concept of public decency. Public decency is a secular way of saying holy. There is no such thing as public decency with the radical secular known as the left taking over. They don't, they don't have the concept. That's why the examples that I give of the breakdown of the holy are public cursing, Everybody understood that people do it periodically in private, that is, use expletives. Everybody understood that comedians uh, might use uh, these words for comic effect. But the, the widespread use of expletives is new. It's just new. By the way, I wrote... I wrote years before Donald Trump ran. I said I could not vote for him because he he did use public expo- he did use expletives publicly. I I I don't like when our side does it. As it turns out, despite that, he became a great president because the country was thriving while he was president, and that is the only way I measure a president. Not on likability, not on holiness but on was the country thriving or was it in decline as it is now? I have no other metric to judge a president by. 
public cursing was a was the the beginning of the anti-holy onslaught uh, in society as it rejected the Judeo-Christian value system. Nudity is another example. There is no secular argument. There's no secular argument against public cursing. There's no secular argument against public nudity. Give me one secular argument against people going around naked. I don't mean in nudist colonies. I mean in society. There is none. There is only the religious argument that we are not animals. Animals' genitalia are on display. Human genitalia are not on display. That's it. There is no other argument against public nudity, especially in a temperate climate. One eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven six. There are consequences to the death of the Judeo-Christian system. This is one of them. This is the Ultimate Issues Hour. I'm talking to you about a subject. I I have a suspicion that it has not been discussed in... in, on, on... regular radio in decades, if ever. I'm not talking about religious broadcasting, but in general broadcasting. The holy. The the, the general contempt in which anything religious is held has made the holy an, an, an inoperable word. We are living in the age of nothing is holy. And uh, we are suffering tremendously. The holy means the elevation of the human from the animal to the divine. That's another way of looking at it. Holy means God-centered. The clothing issue was the perfect example. Why do we wear clothing even if we don't need to be warmed by clothing? Why, why don't people walk around naked? Seriously, think about that question. I'd like you to ask your college-aged son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, nephew, niece, neighbor's kid. I'd like you to ask anybody at college, do you think people should be allowed to walk around naked? I I try to get the heir of Rasmussen to ask that question. I'd love to get the percentage. I believe at least half of the students at Yale would say yes. People should be allowed to walk around naked. I wouldn't be surprised if it were 75%. And... The, Overwhelmingly, the only dissenters would be religious kids, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, or Hindu. Uh, I can't imagine any 
normative religion whose adherents would say it's fine if people show their genitalia publicly. I don't know of such a religion. So that's a really good question to pose. We used to have laws against public cursing. When America was a religious, much more religious society, it was deemed really wrong, like public nudity, public cursing, which today means nothing. It it means absolutely nothing. Left-wing kids will scream the F word every sentence at a speaker they don't agree with. This is new in America. This is another product of secularization. Secular conservatives don't understand the threat that secularism poses, but they're good people. But their grandchildren, if they have any, will probably not be conservative. Some will. There are always exceptions. There is no secular argument against public nudity. We used to have another holy thing. Holy things are not just speech, not, not just behavior, but time. There was holy time in America, the Sabbath, Sundays. What does holy mean? God-centered. There was a God-centered day in much of American life. It was Sunday. You felt it. It was different. Not anymore. In secular society, Sunday is indistinguishable from other days of the week, except for the fact that people are not going to work. They're going to shop, they're going to visit, and they're going to some sporting event, perhaps. The death of the Sabbath in American life is a catastrophe. I have it, because I have decided to affirm it. In fact, I'm at synagogue virtually every Saturday, certainly everyone that I'm in Los Angeles. Three of us founded a synagogue, and about 150 or so people come each week, and many others around the world watch it on Zoom. It's something... That gives me tremendous peace. A God and human centered day each week, not work related. It's powerful. It's a very powerful force. 1 8 Prager 776 877 243 7776. What do you think a college kid in your life would answer? Should public nudity be allowed? The the new rule of the completely destructive force uh, known as the Democratic Party, the new rule in the United States Senate is there is no dress code. So this pathologic, and I don't mean because he's depressed, just pathologic because... He has allowed his pathologies to govern his sentiments. Fetterman, the senator, a senator from Pennsylvania, shows up in shorts and t-shirts 
and hoodies at the U.S. Senate. Clothing is a very important, very important issue. I have argued this, Christians, to my shock. I really, it's the only time I think I've ever been surprised in 40 years of radio. Many of my listeners are Christian. I have a deep affection for them, needless to say. And yet many of them have called to tell me God doesn't care what you wear to church. Hmm. It shows you the effect of secularism even on religious life. 1-8 Prager 776. Prager here, Ultimate Issues Hour, about a subject almost nobody talks about, but is as important as virtually anything else, holy and the death of the holy. So the people forget how big it is. Nudity is is a great example because there are no secular arguments against public nudity. The only argument is we're not animals. We don't show our genitalia. That's a religious argument. Public cursing, same thing. The only argument is ultimately a religious argument. It's 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 wrong. It it violates the, the, some sanctity that's in, implicit in a good society. The death of the Sabbath is another example. There was a day ostensibly devoted, as holy means, to God-centered things. This is the first time in American history fewer than 50% of Americans attend church each week. It's a calamity, as you can see in the society. Oh, Kadoki, let's go to West Los Angeles and Eric. Hello, Eric. How are you doing? Really well, thank you. That is wonderful. So I am a just you know long time listener. I would be considered a sort of secular liberal, but I'm a big fan of what you have to say, and I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying. Well, by the way, so My, let me just make the point that you are a living illustration of the difference between liberal and left. Yeah, and I and by the way, I, I share one hundred percent your belief that a big moral failure of liberals, and with that I include 98% of my own social circle, is living in sort of complete denial about the left. There's sort of this belief that, oh, this is just a, a mm-hmm. fiction of Fox News, this is just a right. well, paranoid... You know, so I'm curious, and I'm certainly not going to take time from what you what you want to raise sure. with me. Uh, do, you, do you generally feel sort of alone in life? Yes, in that in that regard, very much so. Yeah, because I think I would think most so. of my friends are either Trumpers on one end, which right. I don't agree with, right, or on the other side, insane. I shouldn't say insane. I would say no. Insane is fine. Living in denial. Yeah. Oh, pardon. Yeah. No, insane is not wrong. There, there is a pathology on the left. If you think that uh, men can compete with women in sports and scream at people who don't think so, there is something wrong with you. It's not just a wrong political view. I I, I would actually characterize mainstream liberals as the following. They would say, and this goes for most of my friends, they would say, oh, these are crazy ideas. That's right. That's what they say. 
That's yeah, right. All right. So raise the really so good. now raise the challenge that you called in with. Yeah, I, I think your point about holiness is really wise, and it's really food for thought, particularly for a guy like me who's a secular liberal. So, but the sort of the, the, the respectful challenge I would present is: How do you square in earlier age in America, i.e., the 1950s, where people didn't curse in public, wore jackets and ties to events, respected the sanctity of public places, all the things that even I, as a secular liberal, liberal, think ha- we've lost, and I think that's dangerous. And I agree with you. I think your message is important. How do you square the fact that we had all that? I would say traditional good stuff. But we also had segregation. We also had a public acceptability of segregation. We had, um, I wasn't around, I was born in 1968, but I'm going to assume that this was an age in which people respected decorum, respected, you know, all, all the stuff that's gone out the window now we had, but we also had clear um, social acceptability of, of inequality. And, and segregation is clearly the most, uh, the, the, most uh, the, the clearest example. How do you square those two things? Well, it's funny. You called in to say how you're a secular liberal, and yet you so often agree with me. And here I am, a religious conservative, agreeing with you. Mm. You know what? I don't know how they squared it. I'm, I'm ju- I just finished Doug, uh, um, Frederick Douglass's magnificent autobiography, and and he, he writes two, about. I'm sorry. I think he wrote two autobiographies. I could be I, wrong. Did he write two? I think he, there was a biography and an autobiography. I think that... Okay, that, I'm getting... I'm wrong yeah. then. You're, you're right. I'm yeah. so, so anyway, uh, he, he raises that question constantly. How did, how did slave owners go to church on Sunday and beat a slave on Monday? And I, 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 even though I fully support the notion that you judge people in their age... It's still baffling. Uh, I I have no better answer. Well, I might have a slightly better answer, but <laughs> people, human nature is so unimpressive. It takes a lot to make good people, and religion doesn't always work. I'll I'll say more about that. Talking to you about the death of the holy and uh, the consequences to the society have been devastating. So I gave the example of public cursing, the end of the Sabbath day each week, the concept of dress not meaning anything what you wear. In fact, you can wear nothing. These are all uh, examples I'll give more, but I want to answer this uh, call. If he's still on, is he still on? Mm, no, the, but it, it does. It doesn't matter. He he raised a great question. He's a good. He's a good man, secular liberal who hears my points. So we had all these things: no public cursing, proper dress, church attendance. And a lot of Americans believed in racial segregation, indeed racial inferiority. My friends, I wrote my first book, let's see, 50 years ago. It's hard to believe, my early 20s. 
It's still in print. I think it's the most widely read English introduction to Judaism. It's called The Nine Questions People Ask About Judaism. And one of the nine is if religion is supposed to make people better, how do you account for unethical religious people? Religion doesn't make you better unless you want it to make you better. Many people are religious because it's comfortable, not because it's morally demanding. My sermon on Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, a week ago, at the, at the service I lead, you can watch my service at PragerHighHolidays.net. I promise you'll be very moved. PragerHighHolidays.net. My sermon was on this subject that God wants us to be good more than anything else. If you don't believe that, then in fact you you can go to church on Sunday and beat a slave on Monday. I I don't know. I I really wish I could go back in the time machine. I've said this a few times. I I. I don't know how people who were religious, that is J- Jewish or Christian, could defend slavery. The Bible specifically prohibits kidnapping people and selling them. It's, it's a 3,000-year prohibition. There's a prohibition in, in the Torah, the first five books where all the laws are, against returning a slave to its master. The uh, The... Masters were punished if they if they seriously wounded a slave, and presumably put to death if they uh, murdered a slave. And I don't know how people did. And then when it was ended, how did people treat the blacks so so poorly? When the whole biblical foundation is human, every human being is created in God's image. God doesn't give a damn about color. Only racists did then and the left today. Isn't that interesting? The only two groups in the last, or in the post-slave world to say that race matters have been the racists and the Ku Klux Klaners of the past and the left of the present. Another example of how vile the left is, how morally sick. Race tells you nothing about a human being. Nothing. Is that clear? Religion doesn't make you better unless you want it to be make you better. Shakespeare doesn't make you wiser unless you want to become wiser. You have to want, you have to believe in its values in religion. You have to believe in that. You can't use it for comfort. You should walk through life asking, what does God want from me, not what do I want from God? In that light, I want to start a campaign on...
billboards around the country. God not only loves you, he judges you. Have a nice day. I would love to see the reaction to that. Okay, let's go to Brent in Los Angeles. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was just curious, in, in your liturgy on Yom Kippur, do you include the traditional Torah reading of Leviticus condemning incest and bestiality and male homosexuality? Well, it's interesting, and I, I, knew, I knew your question, and I love challenging questions. So the, the prayer book that we use, it, the, everything in it is, is from the traditional Orthodox prayer book of, of hundreds sometimes. 2,000 years uh, the, the but those who whose book we use they took that out and they put in some a lovely part of Deuteronomy instead I oh I believe in using the tradition and even when it's difficult that people have to confront its difficulty so you'll you'll find this of interest I'm, I'm very close to a, a few uh, gay couples and one that I'm really close to, in fact, my wife and I are the, grand, are the godparents of their children because they're very close to us, obviously. Okay, and they mentioned to me that for a whole host of practical reasons, they're going to get married. They have not been married. They have, they have obviously two kids, otherwise we couldn't be godparents. And they said to me, and I'm going to keep you on, by the way, we're taking a break, stay on. They, they, they said, we would love you to officiate at our wedding, but we know you're opposed to same-sex marriage. I'll continue with the story in a moment and you're with your call. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.